0: This episode is brought to you by Modal Electronics who enable you to play and perform powerful sound with their incredible synthesizers. You can enjoy vibrant wavetable patches with the Argon 8 series or you can produce with state-of-the-art analog-style synth textures with the Cobalt 8 series. To check out Modal Electronics' incredible array of synthesizers go to modalelectronics.com Modal Electronics Dare to sound different. hi billy how are you doing um, what's very well thanks uh i can't Wait. hear you that well can you hear me now yeah i can hear you much better there
1: yeah sorry mate i was uh, technically adjusting
0: okay goody okay thanks very thanks very much uh, for taking the time to come on the podcast really really appreciate it and uh without further ado uh welcome to the greatest music of all time podcast i wanted to say uh to start off by asking
1: how big a role does music play in your life just like everybody's life mate it's um a massive role in my life you know different music for different things and more so you know it always kickstarts memories doesn't it you hear a tune and go i remember where i was for that time i remember what i was doing so it's huge absolutely huge
0: and uh You've chosen five songs here. Would you characterise these as your absolute favourites of all time uh, or are these more of a snapshot into your musical taste?
1: Well, I guess they're kind of somewhere in between favourite of all times and snapshot, to be honest. I mean, they've all got good reasons and memories behind it. And I love every single tune that I've given to you. there, the five that I've given to you. So, yeah. Mm,
0: Well, so do I. Uh, when well, did you first get into the Eagles, or rather, well, I mean, I'm assuming you're an Eagles fan, but is is it more the track Hotel California or the band as well?
1: The band, I love the band. I mean, I, I mean, I won't go too deep into it because I don't know that much about them. I just love their music. I love the, you know, the stuff they've done over the years. And uh, yeah, I'm like a, I'm not like a, a wild fanatic that goes to concerts and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I love the Eagles. They're just such an easy listening sort of music good vibe good band and always a great vibe chill that vibe you know
0: yeah when did you get into hotel california
1: do you want the story where it came from and why
0: of course yeah
1: okay, so here we go so hotel california obviously i would heard it millions of times and during a trip we we're in bosnia and when i was in the sas and we we're behind the lines doing some stuff and we had an interpreter with us a female interpreter wonderful girl hard as nails, absolute smashing. And um, me and a colleague, we were, let's say for better word, we're in in no man's land. We're in between the front line watching and reporting on what was going on. So one particular day we're we're overlooking from an eye viewpoint and we found out later we're actually in a minefield, but we didn't find out until a bit, a little bit later. So we're watching this position, we're watching this village that was being attacked under under uh, conflict, Uh, and it was almost surreal. It was like watching a film set. And the girl that was with us, our interpreter, was obviously from that location, didn't want to see any more of what was going on. So she says, is it okay if I just listen to my music? And I said, yeah, no problem. Mm -hmm. So she sat behind us and had a little transistor radio turned on, you couldn't hear it over the sound of the guns and the bangs, so it was fine, you know, we were tactically fine, and, on popped Hotel California. And obviously, like we're looking for this. These- <laughs> look at this. Look at this. And, oh, oh, my God. That's so Watching all this destruction, horrible stuff going on and reporting on it. And the music is playing Hotel California. And I look behind me. And I won't mention the girls name, but the, the girl's crying. So I nudged my mate next thing. And I went, hey, she's crying. And she goes, oh, what do we do? So I look back. I went, hey, can you, if it's, upsetting you the, the music hotel california just turn it off it's no problem and she went no Billy that's my house down there and oh, I, just, yeah. I wanted the world just to open up and swallow me away you know and I just thought oh god and my mate just looked at me and goes you dick but I obviously didn't know that and oh my god that, <laughs> the reason for that is although I I do love the song it was just that moment will never leave me of whenever I hear it I'll just get straight away flashback to that and oh then we Bosnia later, she gave me um, a flag, the Bosnian flag, signed, you know, to Billy. Um, Bosnia loves you. I love you tell California. I've still got it. So.
0: Oh wow! So is there a kind of bittersweet element to, yeah. to hearing that yeah, song?
1: But you know, things turned out great in the end for it and the family and stuff. So it's it's kind of a, a good memory all no. oh, right okay well that's yeah. yeah
0: so that must make uh hotel california like yeah almost yeah a positive tune to to hear well it definitely is
1: yeah definitely,
0: uh, definitely very poignant as well uh yeah. what about uh john holt brilliant artist absolutely mr bojangles
1: well the song mr bojangles I've, I've loved it forever and there's been that many artists i love the robbie williams version you know and all the others, but the, the, the best one is without a shadow of a doubt, John halls it's got that reggae chill vibe to it, you know, it's it just gets you straight in the sort of foot tapping, finger clicking mood as soon as you hear it. And then again, the story behind this, while I do love it so much, I always thought about kind of writing my memoirs as a young, naughty kid doing this boxing and then going up to becoming quite good in the boxing as I got older, but starting off in like a black and white sort of movie with a young kid in the gym dancing around in front of the mirror about to do some boxing but listening to Mr Bojangles because it's such a great little vibe to get sort of into a rhythm with like you know and um, and then finishing off at the end with me as I am now doing the same thing in, a, in a, but at 56 years old or whatever it is you know so a young kid to that under the with the sort of music in the background and the footwork to Mr Bojangles and that's kind of my story to, to that one and it's also my brother's uh, favourite uh, song as well but he, I actually used to like um, Robbie Williams' version better. We always used to have this sort of standoff of who was better, and who, but eventually I succumbed to his way, and I thought, you know what, I do like that version better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is a great
0: version. I do. I, I, you know, I think Robbie's version is good too, though. It, it's an interesting, uh, interesting uh, competition there. Uh, yeah. And but John Holt is is a fantastic artist in general. Yeah, really. Yeah. You know, Pretty really great singer.
1: Yeah. You know, there's not that many people know that much of him, to be honest. You know, I swear, whenever I say John, they want ooh. You know, but he is a fantastic artist.
0: Yeah, he's a legend. What about "Break My Stride" by Matthew Wilder? Why have you chosen that?
1: Right, again, that this is again based on a, a huge memory to me, and I still do it today. Is <coughs> when I was on SAS selection, it was around, I think, in in the chart. I don't know if it was actually in the charts then, but for some reason, it stuck in my head. But whenever I was on the long marches. On the, on the test, SAS selection tests, I used to see people in, my, in front of me and think, I've got to get past that person there. And that music had come into my head, Hey, never gonna break my stride, nobody's gonna slow me down, ooh. And I'd just be literally repeating it in my head, I'd be like, let's go faster and faster and faster till I got to the next person Then I got past him, see the next one again in my head and off it went again. So it was a song, one of the songs that carried me all the way through a particular phase of SAS selection. And I do. I like the music. It's good. That, that's that's really
0: interesting. It must be, well, it's unfathomable uh, to any ordinary person uh, what the process of SAS selection uh, must be like. Uh, but I do know about Matthew Wilder that uh, that tune has blown up apparently on TikTok again, and he's become like a, a massive, a massive like star all over again, uh, like last year. So uh, that's good for him.
1: Absolutely, and rightly so. It's brilliant music. I love hearing some of this older stuff come back. You know, it's it's fantastic. Oh, yeah.
0: I mostly listen to old stuff anyway. It's I think it's better. Uh, what about Elvis? Of course, I mean, a legend, well, but why don't by Elvis?
1: It was my dad's song. Anything Elvis, really. I mean, growing up in the sort of, uh, mid-60s, early 70s, was all rock and roll. My, mom, my dad used to dance to it all the time. Elvis was constantly being played in the house. It it's the one song I always used to hear my dad singing and again, you know, it just gives me great memories of, of my dad just coming back from the pub and just being sat in there, putting his music on and eating some like, dong really you know, at the top of his voice and just let it all sing out. But yeah, that's the reason. Yeah, he's he's um, a
0: real a real hero. That voice is just
1: amazing. Amazing. I mean, I mean, we just had album after album, all the, you know, Elvis Gold, Elvis Greatest Hits, all that sort of stuff. And just absolutely, even now, I still listen to quite a bit of Elvis. Yeah. The mood and the time, you know.
0: Yeah, he's just such a fantastic artist and
1: I a mean, I, I, treasure I,
0: trove of, of records, like you, that you can find endless ones. Like they're, they're all amazing. Like it's not like you go through his back catalogue and you think, God, he was a bit off form there. Like every yes. song is good.
1: It's amazing. He was a brilliant, brilliant artist. And, you know, and if you listen to some of the words as well, they're great. It's great lyrics. And there's even today, you know, every now and again, there'll be a song you can recognize that voice anywhere, you know, straight away. And there'll be songs, you know, pop up everywhere. I've never, I've never heard that before. He did so many, you know, had so many songs. It was just crazy, ridiculous.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm pretty sure he didn't write all of them, but I mean, you know,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, he was more—he was uh, more of a uh, singer and performer, but I mean, he was a great interpreter of songs, and and I mean, yeah. he made them his own. Like even tunes made famous by other people, once Elvis did them, you know, that would be the
1: most famous version. Uh, but what about "Love Wins" by Kerry Underwood? Again, this is a, a a song that my wife chose for our wedding, and it's just—it was just. It was kind of, we kind of planned our wedding, then, you know, things changed. So we, just, we put it off, put it on, put it off. And then we threw everything together at the last minute and went out to America and got married in a place called Boca Raton uh, in Florida. And uh, this was our theme song. It was Love Wins was our theme for the whole of the wedding. And then that was the final song, like, you know, and everybody was up there and just having such a whale of a time. It was brilliant. So every time I hear that, it just reminds me of our wedding day and, Having everybody together in one space, all in a different country, it was brilliant. Really good.
0: Yeah, what a fantastic memory. <laughs> and and so you've just released your first book, your first novel, right? Yes, I have. Yeah. And what what made you want to write a novel?
1: Uh, basically, I've, I've my first book I wrote was my autobiography, and you know. It took me a long time to come around to do that, and I wrote it for <coughs> my memoirs more than anything for all the stories that my children didn't know about me. Although I had to cut out a hell of a lot of my military career, which is fair enough because obviously you don't want to be giving away any sort of secrets and tactics and stuff like that, which is great. So then after I did that, and called...
0: what was that called for listeners who haven't heard, who it's haven't called... read it yet? It's the called Hardway.
1: Hardway, yeah, and it's about you know, growing up and and basically reaching goals that probably people will always say you should never have done. And I actually say, how the hell did I get to that point? But it's that journey, you know, from being a rogue, naughty kid to doing the right thing in the end and, and influential people in my life. So I wrote that and while I was going through that process, I really enjoyed it. And then I kind of felt there was an empty space because I didn't tell all my military, which is now over 20 some odd years, 30 odd years of military history. And that I've been involved in quite a lot, especially with the SAS, of course. And uh, so I decided, uh, how can I tell that without, you know, giving away secrets? And so I, I decided to do a novel based on the authenticity of the things that I've done and just current affairs of what's going on today and, and all the stuff that and just putting all together and building this character, this character, Matt Mason, who's obviously based around me and the, the sort of characters within the team are based around people I've worked with at different places in the parachute regiment and in the... SES and I really enjoyed the process of doing and thinking of the stories of what could and as I thought of the next plot I thought okay well have I been involved in it yeah I have I've been involved in most of what I'm going to talk about but I've just changed all the locations of places and scenarios and and I really enjoyed it it was almost like sort of playing out a film in my own own head as I was putting this together like you know Ah. I really loved it and I'm halfway through the next the sequel to which is following, again, it's kind of following my life journey. But this time, the military side, the older side, the stuff they haven't already spoke about in my autobiography. Yeah, it's so, and it's, I'm building this character, sort of Jamesy, Bondy type, Jack Reacher sort of thing. But with the, you know, the real, realities, the real things, things don't always go to plan and are all so Gucci and work out fine. It's telling the story as based on authenticity of things that I've done and this character, he sort of picks himself up but does himself up and goes again. It's-
0: and and when, when you were, you know, in the SAS or, you know,
1: yeah.
0: looking after the stars, you know, because obviously you went on and uh, became a bodyguard for some incredible people. Yeah. Um, did you sort of think at the time, God, this is going to make... Uh, a great story for a book like or, or you know you could literally write a book or make a movie about my life did, did you kind of conceive of how unbelievable some of the things that you've been through
1: are no I never I never saw it as you know me doing a book at any time but again when I started off the process of putting stuff together to do the book I thought wow I must have lived 10 lives the things that I've seen and done and actually when I was doing the bodyguard work based on my life before I stepped out of the regiment, all the places i have been, all the things I'd i have done. I used to sit there with some of the celebrities and we talk about certain stories and everything they spoke about, I kind of, I've done. And I've done it on a more extreme basis. And I, I used to find myself, biting my tongue and saying, don't say anything. Just keep your mouth shut, say nothing. Because people used to think, well, how many lives has this bloke lived? He seems to have done everything, only had. i have done an outrageous amount of stuff. So. You know, later on when I went into the bodyguard, this new world, I was having all these new experiences. And so when it came to, again, with the book, I've hardly touched on anything to do with that side of my life, really. You know, so maybe that could come somewhere later on down the line when, as I'm doing these uh, novels, part of the, the character, Jack uh, Matt Mason, as he moves on, his, military, his, his at the end of this book, he finishes his military career, moves on to the next part of my life career, which is in conservation and stuff, and then on to... Uh, maybe bodyguarding later on, put some interesting stories in there.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm imagining there would be some incredible stories from there. And in terms of what, looking back at, at your years, you know, in, in the military or in SAS, uh, do you miss it?
1: Yeah, absolutely miss it. I mean, if I miss, the thing you miss the most is the camaraderie, the brotherhood, you know, having bodies around you that can relate to you, think the same as you can see when you're up, when you're down. So I miss that side of it. I do obviously miss the operational sort of lifestyle as well, the challenges, the unknown, the, the, um, the dangers. But as I've got older, I've kind of settled down a little bit and thought, you know what, I had my time. I'm here to tell the tale. There's many people that were with me that never got the chance to grow old. So I think I've been lucky. Enjoy what I've had, you know. Remember the the, the the good times, the sad times, the hard times, and just move on with what I've got now and start to enjoy life. And I've actually start to take a big step back. I've always been sort of almost like a a you know a adrenaline junkie, I've always wanted to be chasing something crazy and pushing myself to the limits. I think I'm starting to kick back a little bit now and. <laughs> enjoy what's around we've started taking what is oh look there's beautiful trees over there and instead of well let's go over there and do this and that they don't know you know <laughs> yeah yeah quite right
0: uh, you know if anyone's earned a rest it, it, it's you that's for sure not uh, totally. i'm
1: still going to do some crazy things but not still
0: still seems like uh you're keeping yourself pretty busy that's for sure so yeah it's not it's definitely not uh idle uh it must it it must be weird as well. I mean, I, well, I don't know, but going from something as intense as that, uh, and then, like, say, specifically when you're writing a book, like, that's quite a lot of sedentary time. Like, what, how, how have you changed your like routines, like fitness wise and things like that? Like, how, how active are you? I mean, I'm imagining like being in the SAS or like, you know, things like that. Incredibly intense. So does it feel like a bit of a cop-out sort of go to the gym?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird because you can't replace the lifestyle that you had with the regiment There's no way you can do it The regiment's tempo is you get on this crazy train thousand miles an hour you get off you do what you gotta do You get back on and that's the lifestyle. It really is Every day is different every day is, is you know, challenging in the SAS because it, it is You're just living this wild crazy life. So your body kind of gets, and your mind gets used to it. That's, you're operating at a tempo all the time, so that, that becomes your norm. And when you leave the regiment, your foot's off the gas, and it's like, now what, what do I do next? And what I did, I, and this I, this is something I visually saw in friends of mine that had left before me, who were just like me, kept themselves fit, but, you know, looked pretty young, left in their early 40s, so still pretty active and fit. And then I saw them about, three or four years later, and they'd look like they'd aged 20 years. You know, they ballooned out, look disheveled, look totally great. And I was like, wow, how the hell did they get to that stage so quick? And to me, I was I always thought about it as my time was coming towards the end of about to leave. And I thought, I would already replace that wild operational temper. Well, you can't, but what I did do is I ensured that every single day I'm gonna be doing fitness every day, you don't do fitness every day in the regimen because you don't get time to, you do it when you can do it. You keep it fit anyway, because you, you're literally doing stuff, you know, whether it's in in conflict or in, you know, natural disaster somewhere around the world, you're out there doing it physically anyway. But I, I've got to replace that with something. My something is fitness. And even to like now, almost every single day of my life, I get up and I'll train. It's the first thing I do in the morning. I have to get up, as soon as I'm up and I'm awake, you know, downstairs, no music, no food, no water, and I train for a minimum of about 40 uh, 40 minutes, normally an hour, hour and a half, could be two hours, depending on what time I've got and what frame of mind I'm in. But that replaces the adrenaline and, the, and keeping the body moving and all that sort of stuff. It's like having, a, I guess, having a race car and you drive it every single day on the track, then all of a sudden you park it up and you take it out once a week. Eventually, it's going to start to seize up and fall apart. Well, that's going to happen anyway because of age, it's starting to happen, my knees are falling apart my back's smashed my feet are smashed but I push through it every morning and get up and I train and if I can get a, a training session in later on in the day then I'll do that but as long as I get my morning routine done train before anything else before the start of the day you know that can be from five o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock in the morning I come back that's, that starts me off great It can mm-hmm. kind of Clears all my mind out. I'm ready to start the day. It gives me positive energy. I feel good about myself. You know, it, it, no matter how little or much I do, I know I've done something. So my mind already says, Okay, you've started right, you've you've lit the fire, now keep it going, sort of sketch. Yeah, but yeah. It kind of justifies whatever else I do in that day if I sit down and start writing a book for three or four hours, or it justifies that space of not being jumping around and running about. And I, I know that's psychological yeah it's
0: but it's it makes total sense and it's a very good habit to get into if you can get yourself to a place where it doesn't feel quite right if you haven't done some sort of fitness routine in the morning i I mean mean, doing it first thing is so advisable isn't it in the sense of like your day doesn't start till you've passed that test and you earn the rest of your
1: day it really is a great kickstart you know i listened to somebody talking and the thing was to get your mind in the right frame of mind start something and finish it you know and the the guy is a military guy he might have seen his next excel he says, get out of bed and make your bed so you get up and you make your bed that is the start of your day you get up make your bed then for me make your bed get downstairs forget everything else and distraction around it do your training and and that can be it can even be just a walk or a walk and a run or sometimes it's an absolute thrash. you know i mean that I mean I'll really beast myself you know and go for it you know so i vary all the time and it doesn't matter what I do, just that mindset when I, I get back to the house I've done my training, I'm ready to start the day so I can chill, I'll have, I'll have breakfast, listen to some music, look at what I've got to do for that day, meetings, whatever it is, filming or whatever it is, and away I go.
0: In terms of like actually planning it, do you, do you plan like your fitness routine for the week or do you just kind of wake up and think, okay, this is the frame of mind that I'm in and this is what I'm gonna do?
1: No, it's just that moment. All I know is I'm going to do something. Like, what did I do this morning? I did uh, actually just a road walk and run about four or five k's, you know, just shuttle runs and, and a, a jog basically. The morning before that, I did something similar, but I did a circuit as well. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to go to the gym, the boxing gym at about five in the morning, and spend an hour on the bag, bags and skipping and all that sort of stuff. So I'll just make I'll kind of think about it for the next morning. But if I get up in the morning, I don't feel like going to the gym, I'll just go for a run, or. I'll take my burger and I'll go down to the the Malvern Hills, which is 18 minutes from here and I'll go over the mountains, you know? So I'll do something varied every day. I try not to keep doing the same, same thing all the time, but it's all mindset. How do I feel that morning, you know? And I'm, I'm, I'm past the, you know, people always send me message. Hey, what time do you do? How fast do you run your five kilometers? I'm over that. I don't time it anymore. I just do it. Just get on with it. You know, I'm, I'm, it's about doing it
0: for yourself rather than doing it for competition at this stage
1: Absolutely. i do for my mindset and my my you know well-being my well-being yeah and and in terms of like
0: back in the day how much did you have to pay attention to nutrition like did you have to to eat right or were you so engaged you know so engaged with physical activity that you could almost eat whatever you wanted and your body would need the fuel
1: yeah. it was exactly that you know you find a military life especially again the that style of life is you binge life you binge fitness because you never know we're going to get time to do proper fitness so you just go at it like a lunatic and you go at you know operational tempo constantly then you'll get a break and you'll have a drink and you drink like a lunatic and then you'll eat like a lunatic so there's no you didn't need to really worry too much about what you were eating because you're always burning the energy and needing the energy exactly like you just said there you know you're always physically doing and moving and and, and doing something constantly so you're constantly keeping the weight down you never really sat around so you never had to worry about that I, more so now I do I'm very sort of choosing picking about the way i eat and what i do eat I've, I've gone to a totally healthy sort of regime and that's again i'll put a lot of that down to my wife she's constantly on my back if i've got sugar in my tea or if i've eaten too much bread or whatever like you know but back then no didn't worry at all i don't think anybody in, in the military in the, in the arm in the regiment for sure worries too much about their their diet you ain't got time to think about that you've You take what you can, it's just fuel, it's just energy, it's all part of what you're going to need for whatever comes next because you don't know what's coming next generally. You know, the tempo is so fast and furious. And how how many hours a day are you just
0: on all the time in in the army?
1: All the time, you know, when you're away on operations. I mean, you you can't keep it going. 24 hours, 24 hours, there's got to come up a time when you get a break, but when you're on a particular task, you don't know when the end's going to be. So you grab sleep when you can, and it might be 10 minutes, it might be 20 minutes, it might be an hour, it might be two hours. It definitely ain't gonna be more than probably two hours. But then, you know, you food <laughs> on the run, you have food while you're moving to time, you, you just, you do what you gotta do to get the task done. And, wow. and then there might be a, a lull in the battle or something, you know, where things have just settled down Then you'll catch up and sleep there. You know, but yeah, it's, it, it really is, it's binge everything. Binge sleep, binge fitness, binge food, everything because that's the way it is you know there ain't generally sort of when you're way on operations okay it's going to start here it's going to finish there
0: Yeah, no, you can't plan <laughs>
1: yeah
0: you don't really. that wouldn't really be uh it wouldn't make any sense
1: no so you just you just go with the flow and take what you can when you can
0: and and leading a life now that's more towards like n- normality uh is is that hard for you is it hard to just like yeah. sit still and stuff after all that you've been through? Uh, and, and
1: do you feel like any like trauma and stuff from what you've been through? No, I, I mean, if you're thinking like mental health and stuff, I've been, been very lucky. I've, you know, I've been through some things and a lot of things and it's not really affected me. You know, I, I don't have I breakdown moments. Everybody's different, you know. And, you know, some people suffer more than others. I've been very fortunate, very lucky not to. I don't know what, you know, in the future, it might come someone sneak up and just hit me in the back of the head and then start thinking and have all these dark moments. I've been in dark spaces, you know. I've had, like anybody else, when you lose somebody, you have your emotional sort of natural way of dealing with things. I've had all that, of course. And I've been in some real dark spaces where i thought, you know, this is... But I've just managed to get myself through it. I haven't really suffered with it
0: and in terms of uh like now you've, you've shared what you've been through you shared your story and to a large extent you know that's very inspiring for people that helps people um what made you want to do that and kind of you know do talks and and share your story and, and kind of you know help empower other people uh to push themselves a bit more
1: there's a, there's a few things really i mean I look back, at if we, when you read my book, my childhood and growing up, and my story starts when I was nine years old when I basically attacked somebody to steal a hat off an old guy. And really, by right, what that old guy should have done when he caught me, which he did, is probably take it off me and give me a good slap, a good hiding. And that's kind of what I was expecting, and that didn't happen. He actually took time and said to me, hang on a minute. He took time in me, it's something about you. And he said, come to my gym. And, I, and I, for whatever re- weird re- reason, I went to his gym. You know, it was, a, it was a gym, a nine-year-old at the back of a pub. not the Illegal gym. It was, it was a booth boxing gym, as it was called back in the day. And I went there. I felt I needed to go. And I went. And the old guy, I went in there. He was teaching all, all these little kids how to box. And he took so much time. He was kind of the second most influential man in my life, other than my dad. He, he took me in and he went, listen, you know, told me about, stop getting into trouble, stop doing this, stop doing that. And he told me about boxing. He says, boxing, as everybody seems to see, is a brutal sport. It's not. Boxing is a poor man's game of chess. And the old guy said this to me and he said, it's it's not about your hands, it's about your mind, it's about your feet, it's about anticipating what's going to happen next, reading the situation in front of you and always being one step ahead and always going that little bit further. And that's what he said to me. And that always going a little bit further, always a little further, is part of the... uh, the, the the prayer of the SAS which I found out years later but I got told that stuff I always remember that so I remember being given a chance by somebody who really shouldn't have and he gave a lot of kids a chance and, and then the next guy I met when I did the kids did a similar sort of thing and I always look back at what great people they were and how many people they helped to put back on the right track. Whereas you know it's very easy to turn to a kid that's really naughty you know, he's a waste of time don't mix with him stay away from him. They didn't and as I was that naughty child and I had the naughty childhood and I created some, you know, havoc for the family and put them through hell, really, with the stuff I was getting involved in, you know, getting stabbed, get being in court, doing all this stuff. I then, you know, as I matured, realised giving back is one of the greatest things you can give, can do. It's not all about materials and money and all that sort of stuff. There's no greater gift than helping somebody else. And we can all do that, you know, and we should do that. So that's what that journey is all about, you know, and coming from my upbringing and what was given to me. to where I am now, I'm a very fortunate place, You know? I'm living a great life, I've got great friends, I've got a great platform, I'm doing good things. But that was only because of that, these people back then. It could have been so different. And I'll tell you right now, I went to, I won't say where it was, I went to a prison yesterday to work with junior children. Children, that's what they are. And these were exactly the same as me. You now These are the ones who were on the same path as me, but didn't get the opportunity to meet a person like me or like this old man. They're unfortunate, they're in prison. And I was looking at these kids and I felt like you just pick them up, slap them on their ass, sit in there and so, say, right, stop being naughty, behave yourself and do it. And you could have put them straight, easy. And I was looking at this little kid thinking, and I said, what's he eating for? Thinking they're gonna say, stealing sweets out the shop, murder. I went, what? You know, these are young kids. And I'm thinking, what the hell has gone wrong in society? What has happened? And I just feel if there have been a role model or a mentor to help these kids, half of them wouldn't have been in there. That's a fact. And, but that was my life, that, the way it was going. It just happened to have, back then, mentors, male mentors, female mentors. Now, we're too scared to become a mentor. And a, a crazy example of that is if I'm sat in a park and the ball gets kicked to me, the first thing I'll do is pick up the ball, where's your parents? I'm too worried about what people are looking at me and thinking. It shouldn't be like that. We should be able to, you know, mentor people and, and not be afraid to speak to people. And children shouldn't be afraid to speak to older people. You know, we're in a safer world now than ever. I, I know I've gone off a bit of a tangent here, but. No, no, but it's an important that's issue. The why. That's the reason why I, be, you know, I, I believe and then where it comes from my background, my upbringing. I was very lucky to have those people. I did get a clip around the year, and I deserved it. It helped me. And we miss all that now. We don't get any of that. We're all too scared to tell somebody off. And that's yeah. why. And a great example of, was yesterday. My heart broke looking at these kids thinking, they're babies. They're freaking kids and they're in for murder and crazy things. I'm like,
0: how
1: yeah. oh, has this got to this? But that's how it has because out there we're too scared to say, tell the truth anymore. We're too scared to tell kids off. We're too scared to... why are we all so
0: scared of of, of being more forthright it seems like everybody's very very afraid of offending anyone with very with things that aren't like it's not inherently offensive to hold a different opinion to someone for example it's only offensive if you deliver that different opinion in a rude way but like it's now become like, considered a crime to hold, like, a different opinion to, to the one that's, I don't know, but, but who controls all of this?
1: You know, that's the beauty of the world. We've all got different views, different opinions, and we're entitled to that. It's about how about we just respect each other. So I hear what you're saying. Okay, I'll listen to that, but actually I don't really agree with it. I'm, I'm still going to do this, but we can't. You say your opinion, it's almost taken as an offence, and it's not, and we're all too scared, and we're all, doing, we're all doing it. Everybody's doing it. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. got to change we've got to go back to the old school of if you you, listen if you're a bad person you're a bad person doesn't matter what you believe in what color you are what if you're bad, you're bad and you need to be told you're bad and you can be put right as long as you know somebody does do it discipline that person show respect in the right way and move on but we're too scared to do it yeah but but that was a a real eye-opening Yes, it was it was kind of wrong wording but i'll say it. the icing on the cake of what i've always been saying we've lost that role model now and the kids are there's, there's jail the kid the, these kids are not in what was when we would know a naughty kid you, you went to like a board store it wasn't quite a jail this is a jail these are 15 year old kids in lock jail. you know just the, the looking at it, i was like what the hell and then to hear their crimes
0: very serious crimes murder murder yeah murder. I mean, you, can't get more, you can't get more serious.
1: Oh, and these are 15-year-old kids. How do, how have we as, as, has
0: that gone up a lot? Has as, as crime um, amongst young people uh, been going up a lot?
1: Yes, massively. Because police are too scared to apprehend people, kids because the backlash. Everybody's filming them and making you know, making the, the people trying to... Yeah. Look, every now and again, people doing the job will make a mistake. It's human. We do that. I don't believe people really go out of their way as much as it was trying to say they are to do bad things. You know, the policeman being over brutal or, brutal or whatever it is. People are there for a reason. And the law. And we're in a safer world than we've ever been. There's closed circuit televisions everywhere now. The street lights everywhere. There's more people around now. You know, mm. so we can see what's going on. So why are we all hell bent on catching each other out? You know, every time you see a policeman trying to do his job, there's 10 cameras in his face, provoking it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> the, 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 the disrespect. The disrespect. We're of... allowing it because human rights. We've. It, it's got to stop. The police. You need to be afraid, not afraid of the police, but the police need to have their power and be able to use their power. You, as a civilian, have your your, your powers to interact on something that you can see is wrong. Mm. And we should, but we don't, you know. Another wild example. You've got me on a bloody thing now, which sort of yeah. I'm very really passionate about is. You think about, you know, a British soldier serving his country, walking down the street from his barracks, and he has his head cut off in the middle of London. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. What in hell is going on? And not, and the thing about that, is, as horrendous as that is, there's 50 people all got it filming it. Instead of somebody going in there and helping that and stopping that. Doesn't matter if it's a soldier, doesn't matter what religion, doesn't matter what colour he are trying to. Yeah, they didn't.
0: Their instincts to get out their camera phone. I mean, that kind of sums up
1: that's the a, way we're headed. Well, that's where we're at. And that yesterday really, opened, really rocked my world again. It was, yeah. So going well, back to what you're saying, it's about giving. It's about giving back. You know, we should all do it. If you're in a more privileged position than somebody else, and give back. Whether that's giving, you know, giving um, uh, materials, whether it's giving advice, whether it's giving financial, whether it's giving whatever it is, give because we can you shouldn't be looking down on anybody unless you're helping them up. Mm. Where you think you are, you know, you ain't nothing special. We're all equal to a degree. We're all smarter in different ways and at different things. And as we should be, we all excel in different things. And we all deserve to be in a little pecking order of, you know, cause you've worked for it. And if you don't want to work for it, you stay where you are. That's the way it is. Yeah. But I mean, on the same vein that we're talking as we are now, you know, I can't get my head around now. There's kids starving in our own country, there's kids homeless, and yet we have more billionaires in the world than, why? Mm. Why does anybody need to be a billionaire anyway? What are you yeah. billions? What, what's all this about? There's one single word, it's greed, it's ridiculous,
0: it's wrong. But, but know, the, so it's, it's the billionaires and it's the classes of people who are insanely privileged, insanely wealthy, who are pushing all of this kind of dogma on the rest of the rest of the world the like the rest of the working classes like it's those billionaires doing all of this kind of soft politics stuff uh, it's 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 them pushing like defund the police like more or less
1: because they have control of everything they have control of the government really because they have and control, the media they, they totally control the media and the media is the biggest thing you know they control the control of social media they can say what they want to put out there. They can say a message. They can build a message. They can create a diversion. They can create a problem. And, no, you know, we're not stupid. But it's just sad that we got to this place, you know. So hopefully we can all, you know, we can all wake up and go, let's stop this nonsense. It's mm. the right thing. If you see something that is, isn't right, don't ignore it. Don't announce it by video and, and, and provoking it. Stop it. Stop it! Because everybody deserves to have a decent life. Everybody, you know, people will go wrong, and some people you won't be able to change. But the way it is now is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, as we're talking, and one of the greatest sort of tools we all have is music. Stops, chills everybody out. It stops it. When when I was working out in Haiti, you know, the people used to get all irate, and you could see they're about to fight. And all they used to do is put the reggae music on and play it loud, and then all the stop, and then the jamming. <laughs> <laughs> boost that music out there, stop all this nonsense, and yeah, for God's sake, yeah. That well,
0: music's the common
1: denominator,
0: and as is sport, which is why it's uh, it's going to be really, really good. Like, the sooner uh, society can open up, the better, the, the, the less time people have spent behind computer screens and scrolling on phones, because that must be the reason why some of this, these mad ideas.
1: Oh, god you're
0: yeah. circulating and like it would be really good to see things like live music and sport come back
1: yeah, absolutely we need to you know regenerate the the kiddie football clubs the, the youth clubs the getting people out get away from their phones get away now, the phones have got a great thing they're, they're good for so many things but you need to live a life experience you need to get out and not just read about it and then have the knowledge in your head and feel like you you know it because you don't There's no substitute for experience. You know, you can pass all your exams on a mobile phone because you just Google the answers to everything and and how this works, but get out and sample it, get out and do it because it's different to what you're reading about. And there's no substitute for that. So we need to open up again and, you know, like you say, get, get the, get the music out there again, get the, all the good things going, proper socializing, proper meeting and sport, sports are great. Sports is equal as music, you know, and put those
0: together. Wow. Do you sometimes struggle to get up in the morning or wind down for bed at night? I used to find it so difficult. I woke up with no sense of positivity and brightness. I was void of motivation and spirit. This changed completely when I started waking up with a loomy body clock. These incredible devices mimic the light and colour of a real sunrise and sunset, transforming the experience of waking up and going to sleep completely. Rather than being suddenly woken up with an alarm clock, the Lumi body clock will wake you up gradually with a natural sunrise. The Lumi body clock has been shown to improve the quality of sleep and awakening and to boost mood and productivity in clinical trials. You can personalize your sunrise and sunset from 15 to 90 minutes with their clinically tested unique natural light and more than 20 sleep and wake sounds. We all deserve to sleep well and to wake up feeling fresh. So if you're finding this a challenge, and you want to try a new approach, go to lumi.com. If you're enjoying the Greatest Music of All Time podcast, you can keep up to date with all of our latest episodes for free by subscribing. If you're watching on YouTube, the subscribe button is located at the top of the Tom Cridlin YouTube page. It's also at the bottom right of any video that you watch on YouTube. If you're listening on an audio platform, such as Spotify
1: or Apple Podcasts, You can subscribe at the top of the page.